Let's give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Woo. So we're, we're dealing with um, prayer and we've been talking as a church about miracles. We turn me down just a little bit, sir. And one, I want to talk about a key to miracles tonight and start in Isaiah chapter 10. This isn't the key, but it's a key to miracles happening in the church. Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 27 says, It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. If you go now over to Psalm chapter 133... Psalm chapter 133. So Nikki mentioned earlier that Jesus Christ, Christ means uh, anointed, anointed one. And Christian, Christ, I-A-N-S, means anointed ones. So that's who we are. So the anointing breaks the yoke, removes the burden. So we need the anointing in our church services. We need the anointing flowing freely uh, when we gather together. And Psalm 133, it says, Behold how good and pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil. Now we just read in Isaiah 10, 27 that the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. And so when the Bible refers to oil, it's talking about the anointing. Those of you that have come, come down to the front... And you've had hands laid on you and you felt the power of God uh, touch you. Sometimes you can't stand when that happens. What is that? That's the anointing. That's God, the Holy Spirit touching you tangibly where you where you feel it in your body and, and you can't even stand. And so it says that when the brethren, brothers and sisters, it's not talking about unchurched people, talking about brothers and sisters in the Lord. When we dwell together in unity. Now, we don't all go sleep in somebody's house. So it's talking about when we come into the house of God. We gather together in the house of God. That's where we dwell together. In unity. It's like the precious oil. Or in other words, it's like anointing upon the head that runs down the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there, the Lord commanded the blessing and life forevermore. Now listen to what it says in the message translation. It says, how wonderful, how beautiful when brothers and sisters get along. So there's something to this unity thing. And I want to define uh, to you, unity is tied to the anointing. 
And so I want to define to you what unity means. It's a state of being united or combined into one as parts of a whole. So we're different parts. We come together. We should be one. The Collins Dictionary says where there is unity, people are in agreement and act together for a particular purpose. There is harmony. Now, disunity, the opposite of unity, I think it's important for us to talk about that so we understand what not to do, is conflict, discord, and strife. That's why it says that God hates one who sows discord. Why? Because the discord and strife affect The anointing. What does the anointing do? It destroys the yoke and removes the burden. And so if there's strife and there's discord, then what's going to happen? The end result is there won't be as much anointing to do what? Destroy the yoke. What does God want to do? Destroy the yoke and remove the burden. Why? Because he loves us. And so discord, conflict, Strife will kill any organization. I don't care. Even outside the church, you go into the business world and there's strife in an organization. It will it will be a cancer to the organization. If there's strife on an athletic team, it is a cancer to that team. I've had uh, the privilege of playing on successful athletic teams. And I was part of a state championship basketball team in high school. I was part of a national championship basketball team in college. And, and I got a ring, you know, that uh, I got in a case, you know. And, but uh, our team in both cases, for example, in the college team, we had three guys mid, mid-season. They got kicked off the team because they disobeyed team rules. And so that was it. All three of those, two of those guys were starters. And one of those guys was the best player on the team. Statistics wise. So we had a meeting, we came together and uh, this was, this was a huge blow to us news wise for the rest of the team. And I mean, this one guy could go up on a dime Catch the alley-oop and just cram it. You know, that means dunk it. That means throw it through the hoop. <laughs> and uh, what well, we met as a team, and the coach says, this is what's happened. We've, these guys, are not, they're, they're suspended. They're not on the team anymore. What do you guys want to do? Do you want to just, you know, call it a season? That's an option that's on the table. We can just call it a season. Or do we want to try to come together and if that's the case, we're going to have to, everybody's going to have to work harder. We're going to have to pick up the slack because we're not as talented now as we were. But, you know, when these guys were on the team, what do, you, what do y'all want to do? We said, we'll work harder. We'll come together. And what it did was it brought all of us together. We, we were coming at 6 o'clock in the morning, doing workouts, shooting hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times Repetition, repetition, and our team gelled together and we went on to win the national championship without two of the best players on the team. 
And so that taught me a lesson in life that it's not always about the most talented people. It's about the chemistry or for the Bible purposes, the unity. And that's what the Bible's talking about. And so this is a big deal to God. First Corinthians chapter 12. In verse 12, it says, For as the body is one and has many members, but, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Verse 14, For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. So it's not, just, it's not about you. I'm going to talk real plain tonight. I'm doing it in love, I promise you. I prayed over this, but it's not about you. It's about Jesus Christ and what he wants to accomplish in this church, in this city, in this state, in this nation and in this world and how we're a part of that. And so none of us are bigger than that. None of us. Uh, You know, I've always, uh, learned and understood that there's nobody that's above the law. Nobody. We're all subject to someone. And what this says, verse 15, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? Or if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were... Uh, and I, where would be the hearing? If the uh, whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, God has set, God has set the members, each one of them in the body as he pleases. So that means I don't have to try to go and make my own way in the body. That means that if I want to have a, uh, if I want to get plugged into a body, then I need to go to the one that's the head of the body, which is Christ Jesus, who is head of the church, which is his body. And we are the body of Christ. So (laughs) he said it as he pleases. And if, if they were all one member, where should the body be? Now, indeed, there are many members, yet one body. So the eye cannot say the hand, I have no need of you. Because God has put gifts, different giftings in each one of us. That's what's special about the body is that each part has a different function. But it's also about maybe what drives you nuts about someone else. Is that they're different from you. But their gifts are unique and needed for the body. So if... My nose thought it was the most important part of my body. How would I get around anywhere? Would I walk on my nose? Can my nose walk? If my ears would say to my finger, hey, let's separate from the body and we can start our own body. 
How's that going to work out for the ear and the finger? It's going to be a disformed body, wouldn't it? And so it's not going to accomplish. That's not how God set up the body. I went, I went in and uh, I talked to a sports team, a football program, and it was before a game. And I said, does anybody here know who invented, this is a football team, high school football team. Does anybody know who invented the word team? Who came up with this concept? Anyone? And somebody said, Naismith. And Naismith was the person that invented basketball. No, no, it wasn't Naismith, which was funny because they were football players. And a couple other names were thrown out. I said, no, this is, a, this is a public high school. I said, you know who it was? It was God who invented team. And the reason why we know how is because look at your body. You know, each part of your body has a different function. Your eyes see, your ears hear, your nose smells. And my eyes can't walk. Uh... You think your pinky toe isn't important? Try going without it. Right? So each part of the body has a different function, but all parts are important. And so when we come together, this is what it's saying. When we come together in unity for one purpose, for one under under one uh, corporate setting what what Nikki was talking about. We come together and we pray all in unity together. But somebody might say, well, oh, we had a great service today. It was a great service. Well, the reason why it was great is because we prayed before the service. And so because we prayed, it was a great service. Or somebody else might say, well, the worship team might say, oh, well, the worship, it was, we had a great service because the worship team, you know, really knocked it out of the park. Or, or no, it's because the pastor's sermon was, it was the best sermon. And that, and so what is that? That's, that's someone trying to take credit. That's a, that's self-seeking and trying to take credit, which the body can't do that. They, my ear never brags. Hey, hey, can y'all hear like I hear? <laughs> Mine never says, hey, yo, yo if, if it weren't for me, y'all would be able to, they'd be running into walls and stuff. Our, the, the body, it, just, it just works because that's how God designed it. And this, this, this is why he's given us this example of the body because this is how the church is supposed to function. And I'm not saying that we're not functioning that way, guys. <laughs> so I'm just telling you what, what this, what's Satan trying to do? Break it up. We don't, he knows when the church gets united. Oh man, he can't, the gates of hell won't what? So that's what he's trying to do is to come in, create some discord. Well, I don't like, I don't, I don't mean, I don't like that they're doing this and I, I don't like, I don't like this and I don't like that. What's he trying to do? Don't, don't be, <laughs> your, your, your parts of your body don't complain. They don't 
criticize and are you here? So unity in prayer. Acts chapter two. Verse 46 says, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Continuing means to be earnest towards something. And they did this daily in in the temple, which is church. Earnest means to show intense and severe conviction. It's being serious, not playful. You know, it's, uh, it's to be constantly diligent in a place, watch this word, in a place to assiduously, huh? to assiduously attend all exercises. Let me, let me define the word assiduously. Assiduously means hard work, care, and attention to detail. So we're coming in with a focus, okay? We're coming in with a purpose so that the anointing can destroy the yoke and remove the burden. How many of you lives have been changed by Jesus Christ? Well, don't you want the same for the person that comes in off the street? So we want to have a setting where the anointing flows freely because we come in a spirit of unity. We're focused. We're ready. We're expectant. Acts chapter 4, verse 31 says, And when they had prayed, the place where they assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Unity in prayer will stir the place up. And it wasn't so much what they were praying. It was the spirit of unity in which they were praying. So it's the spirit behind the prayer. You know, I don't have to be the best uh, speaker, but I have to have the spirit of the Lord. You know, I, I, I've listened to uh, people get up and speak and they're monotone, but then miracles happen. Why? Because the spirit of the Lord's behind it. And then there's people that can get up and do a song and dance, entertain everybody, and there's no anointing. So, it's the spirit behind what we're trying to do. Constant prayer. Look at Acts chapter 12, verse 5. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the Say it like you mean it. Say it like we're God's anointed body. Constant prayer was offered by the church. And Peter was miraculously freed from prison. Why? Because the church prayed. The church said, no, we're not going to stand for this. (laughs) The man of God is, is in a trial. He's in trouble. We need to pray. And they got together and prayed and, the, and it freed him. 
Why? Because constant prayer was offered by the church. Nikki's father got a bad report. I think it was seven years ago. Something like that. Five, seven years ago. And he had, they had told him that he had uh, stage four cancer. Blood clots on his lungs. Uh, so when they took him in, they were just so shocked that he was breathing fine and everything was fine. And, uh, you sure you don't, you don't need oxygen. You're breathing fine. No, everything. They were just out shopping that day. And it was a miracle how they found all that. But, uh, what we did as a church was we came up with scriptures that talked about healing. And there was about seven pages of scriptures on healing. And so we passed that out to every church member. And the church people signed up to pray so that we had 24-hour, seven-day-a-week prayer going. So there are people that got up at 2 o'clock in the morning and, and took those healing scriptures well, I thank you, Lord, that Pastor Bob, by, by Jesus' stripes, Pastor Bob was healed and is healed. Put his name in there. Not so that, you know, uh, we could try to earn anything, but so that we could come together in unity to what Jesus Christ has already done through his cross, through the cross when he died and when he rose. And so that we can renew our minds to that and get into the spirit realm so that we could appropriate or claim what was already ours, or in this case, her dad's. In three months, which was uh, so many treatments, that, he, that he, the cancer was completely gone. And seven years later, he got, he's still free from, from cancer. What was that? That was the church coming together in the spirit of unity... For a single purpose, for a single focus. What a lot of church people uh, were getting it, but what what a lot of us around the world may not realize is that we are the most powerful force on the face of the earth. And I'm not kidding about that. And so when when we, as the body of Christ, realize this, oh. Oh my goodness. What's that scripture? A thou, uh, one could put a thousand to flight. Two can put what? What can 50 do? What can a hundred do? What can 500 do? Come on, somebody. Now, let me show you a, a contrast to this. Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, verse 16, a certain man gave a great supper, invited many and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, come for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. So, so this was unity of excuse making. Which will work 
in opposition. So if unity brings the anointing and conflict, strife, and disunity will do what? It will destroy the anointing. Nikki's dad, years ago, when, when he was just getting started in the ministry, a baby went in the hospital, and they didn't expect the baby to live. He came in and prayed for the baby. Baby got better. All the vital signs went up. Everything was good, normal. He left. The family was there. They called. Baby's not doing good. So he goes back in, prays. Baby's vital signs come back up. Everything's fine. He leaves. They call. He goes back up. Prays. Everything's normal. He leaves. Baby dies. And he says to the Lord, he's heartbroken. Lord, I, I would have went back. What? Why? Why did this happen? Why? And the Lord told him, the family... Of that baby, when he left, would get into strife as to who should get credit for the miracle of the baby vital signs doing better. And it costs the baby its life. It costs the family a child. This is, this is a, a... Will you put up James 3.16 in the Amplified... James 3.16. For wherever there is jealousy, envy, and contention, rivalry, in other words, competition, who's the greatest, selfish ambition, it's about you, There will also be confusion, unrest, disharmony, rebellion, and all sorts of evil and vile practices. We have to stay out of strife. We have to stay away from this. Amen? Because it's important. It could could be... Uh, a matter of life and death for someone. So unity in prayer, when we come together, we're the most powerful force on the face of the earth. Mark chapter 5, and I'll begin to close here. Does this help to you tonight? Everybody okay? It's not too, I'm not too hard. Let's... Mark chapter 5. This is so cool. What happens here? They came out of the boat, verse 2. Immediately there uh, he, uh, met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. And this isn't the right verse. You know which one I'm looking for, huh? That's not the right one. Hang on. Let's see if it's over here. Someone typed up the wrong passage. 
Yeah, that's not unity, is it? And see how it's affected us right now? My goodness. All right, when, when they lowered the man down, uh, when they opened the roof, lowered the man down, where's that at? Anybody know? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sing the Jeopardy theme and whoever gets it. What is it? Mark, Mark 2. Okay. Okay. So immediately many gathered, so there was no longer room to receive them. Wouldn't that be cool? (laughs) If there's no more room and people are standing outside. We saw this when we went to Ethiopia. And uh, there was probably, we guessed, 3,000 people in this auditorium. And they had people stacked in the halls. And there was at least 100 people standing outside. That's pretty cool. He, uh, he preached the word to them. They came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, so they... The four men, they got together and they said, our friends shouldn't be like this. But there's miracles happening at church. So what if we all get together and we take our friend so that he can get where the anointing is that will break the yoke and remove this burden off of his life so that our friend can now walk. And so they got together. And so they came to him, bring a paralytic, and they could not come near him. So they uncovered the roof. You getting this? So when they had broken through, they (laughs) let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. And when Jesus saw their faith. Isn't that good? Yeah. Woo! Man, oh, I feel the anointing right now. When he saw their faith. So there's going to be times where we come in and somebody needs a miracle. Are you willing to get into unity to believe for someone else? You know, I heard someone say that when... Your faith is exercised for someone else, then that's real faith maturity. Where it's not just faith for yourself, but now you begin to exercise your faith on behalf of someone else. And that's what they were doing. And what happened? The man gets healed. He walks out of there. And there was opportunity for many, many more healings and things, but there's a bunch of religious people in there. Well, who is he that can forgive sins? 
Who's the preacher think he is? He puts his pants on the same way I do. So unity in prayer, unity in faith, and then lastly, unity in giving. You know, when we come together, and I want to read uh, in uh, out of Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse one, it says, "We make known to you the grace of God bestowed in the church of Macedonia, a great affliction." The abundance of their joy and the deep poverty abound in the riches of their liberality. So they got together, even though they, it didn't seem like there was a lot, they got together and it says that they joyfully gave in their deep poverty and according to their ability and beyond their ability, they were freely willing. I remember when uh, years ago we had uh, a missionary come into our church, he had a work going in in, uh, in Africa, and well, they needed like gutters, uh, beds, windows, and so <clears throat> he's putting out the need before the congregation. This was a Wednesday night, so there's probably fifty people in there on a Wednesday night. And so we said, well, how much is it all this going to, all this going to cost this, these needs? And it came out to be like $6,500 or something. We can do this. You know, we can do this guys. Let's, let's do this. Let's, let's meet this man's need. So when he goes to the next church, he doesn't have to mention these things that, you know, this is check it off your list, brother. What are you out? What else are you believing for? And those 50 people gave out of their pot. I mean, this is a rural community. There's, you know, Microsoft headquarters is not there. In fact, the headquarters that is there is a, is a pig slaughter plant. <laughs> that congregation came up with over $6,500. What was that? It was, it was a unity in giving. It was, it was coming together to say, let's, Let's do this. Let's come together and let's do this right now. We can do this. And see, what we have to understand when we, when we give to the kingdom of God, money in itself is an eternal, but when we give it, it can have an eternal impact. Yes. For example, how do you put a dollar sign on someone, for example, the paralytic that was that was. If you had a son that was a paralytic and I said to you, if you'll give $75,000, your paralytic son will get his healing. And that, and that were true. Would you give it? If you knew that was going to happen? In other words, can you really put a price tag on someone's health? There were, there were rich, rich people that died because they got sick and they probably would have given everything that they had to just been able to live and have their health. So you can't put a price tag on this, but, but when we give, you know, Dr. Savell goes all over the world, all kinds of miracles. Do you realize that this church 
And, and the JSMI ministry impacts the world. And so when we're giving, our money has an eternal impact. You don't even realize the people in heaven, when you get there, that were affected because you gave. That's huge. So it's not just about giving, giving so I can get, you know, give it, get it back to me. Yes, that's a spiritual law and it will happen. But it is about impacting the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ so that people can know Jesus and spend eternity, have their names written in the Lamb's book of life, go to heaven someday and spend eternity with all the saints ruling and reigning for years, forever and ever and ever and ever. And not experience spiritual death in hell. You can't put a price tag on that. How much would you give to keep your son or daughter out of hell? You can't put a price tag on it. So, unity in giving. Uh, that's what happened with the, the boy. With the... Is it two loaves and five fish or is it five loaves and two fish? Five loaves and two fish. That's what happened there. What do we have? Well, we have this boy with five loaves and two fish. Well, let's all, let's all put our faith on this right here. Let's all come together right now and put our faith on this right here. So there was unity in their, in their giving right there. And what did Jesus do? Blessed it and fed 15, 20,000 people off five loaves and two fish. And then 12 baskets were left over. Yeah. <laughs> How does that happen? Yeah. Well, they got together in unity and gave. So unity is a key to miracles. Unity in prayer. Unity in faith and unity in giving. Will you stand tonight as we prepare to give?